Chapter thirty one of Elsie Venner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Elsie Venner by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Chapter thirty one. Mr. Silas Peckham renders his account. The morning rose clear and bright. The long storm was over, and the calm autumnal sunshine was now to return with all its infinite repose and sweetness. With the earliest dawn, exploring parties were out in every direction along the southern slope of the mountain, tracing the ravages of the great slide and the track it had followed. It proved to be not so much a slide as the breaking off and falling of a vast line of cliff including the dreaded ledge it had folded over like the leaves of a half-open book when they close crushing the trees below piling its ruins in a glacé at the foot of what had been the overhanging wall of the cliff and filling up that deep cavity above the mansion-house which bore the ill-omened name of dead man's hollow this it was which had saved the dudley mansion the falling masses or huge fragments breaking off from them would have swept the house and all around it to destruction but for this deep shelving dell into which the stream of ruin was happily directed it was indeed one of nature's conservative revolutions for the fallen masses made a kind of oz shelf which interposed a level break between the inclined planes above and below it so that the nightmare fancies of the dwellers in the dudley mansion and in many other residences under the shadow of the mountain need not keep them lying awake hereafter to listen for the snapping of roots and the splitting of the rocks above them twenty-four hours after the falling of the cliff it seemed as if it had happened ages ago the new fact had fitted itself in with all the old predictions forebodings fears and acquired the solidarity belonging to all events which have slipped out of the fingers of time and dissolved in the antecedent eternity old sophy was lying dead in the dudley mansion if there were tears shed for her they could not be bitter ones for she had lived out her full measure of days and gone who could help fondly believing it to rejoin her beloved mistress they made a place for her at the foot of the two mounds it was thus she would have chosen to sleep and not to have wronged her humble devotion in life by asking to lie at the side of those whom she had served so long and faithfully there were very few present at the simple ceremony helen darley was one of these few the old black woman had been her companion in all the kind offices of which she had been the ministering angel to elsie after it was all over helen was leaving with the rest when dudley venner begged her to stay a little and he would send her back it was a long walk besides he wished to say some things to her which he had not had the opportunity of speaking of course helen could not refuse him there must be many thoughts coming into his mind which he would wish to share with her 
who had known his daughter so long and been with her in her last days she returned into the great parlour with the wrought cornices and the medallion portraits on the ceiling i am now alone in the world dudley venner said helen must have known that before he spoke but the tone in which he said it had so much meaning that she could not find a word to answer him with they sat in silence which the old tall clock counted out in long seconds but it was silence which meant more than any words they had ever spoken alone in the world helen the freshness of my life is gone and there is little left of the few graces which in my younger days might have fitted me to win the love of women listen to me kindly if you can forgive me at least half my life has been passed in constant fear and anguish without any near friend to share my trials my task is done now my fears have ceased to prey upon me the sharpness of early sorrows has yielded something of its edge to time you have bound me to you by gratitude in the tender care you have taken of my poor child more than this i must tell you all now out of the depth of this trouble through which i am passing i have loved you from the moment we first met and if my life has anything left worth accepting it is yours will you take the offered gift helen looked in his face surprised bewildered this is not for me not for me she said i am but a poor faded flower not worth the gathering of such a one as you no no i have been bred to humble toil all my days and i could not be to you what you ought to ask i am accustomed to a kind of loneliness and self-dependence i have seen nothing almost of the world such as you were born to move in leave me to my obscure place and duties i shall at least have peace and you you will surely find in due time some one better fitted by nature and training to make you happy no miss darley dudley venner said almost sternly you must not speak to a man who has lived through my experiences of looking about for a new choice after his heart has once chosen say that you can never love me say that i have lived too long to share your young life say that sorrow has left nothing in me for love to find his pleasure in but do not mock me with the hope of a new affection for some unknown object the first look of yours brought me to your side the first tone of your voice sunk into my heart from this moment my life must wither out or bloom anew my home is desolate come under my roof and make it bright once more share my life with me or i shall give the halls of the old mansion to the bats and the owls and wander forth alone without a hope or a friend to find herself with a man's future at the disposal of a single word of hers a man like this too with a fascination for her against which she had tried to shut her heart feeling that he lived in another sphere than hers working as she was for her bread a poor operative in the factory of a hard master and jealous overseer the salaried drudge of mr silas peckham 
why she had thought he was grateful to her as a friend of his daughter she had even pleased herself with the feeling that he liked her in her humble place as a woman of some cultivation and many sympathetic points of relation with himself but that he loved her that this deep fine nature in a man so far removed from her in outward circumstance should have found its counterpart in one whom life had treated so coldly as herself that dudley venner should stake his happiness on a breath of hers poor helen darley's it was all a surprise a confusion a kind of fear not wholly fearful ah me women know what it is that mist over the eyes that trembling in the limbs that faltering of the voice that sweet shamefaced unspoken confession of weakness which does not wish to be strong that sudden overflow in the soul where thoughts lose their hold on each other and swim single and helpless in the flood of emotion women know what it is no doubt she was a little frightened and a good deal bewildered and that her sympathies were warmly excited for a friend to whom she had been brought so near and whose loneliness she saw and pitied she lost that calm self-possession she had hoped to maintain if i thought that i could make you happy if i should speak from my heart and not my reason i am but a weak woman yet if i can be to you what can i say what more could this poor dear helen say elbridge harness the horses and take miss darley back to the school what conversation had taken place since helen's rhetorical failure is not recorded in the minutes from which this narrative is constructed but when the man who had been summoned had gone to get the carriage ready helen resumed something she had been speaking of not for the world everything must go on just as it has gone on for the present there are proprieties to be consulted i cannot be hard with you that out of your very affliction has sprung this this well you must name it for me but the world will never listen to explanations i am to be helen darley lady assistant in mr silas peckham's school as long as i see fit to hold my office and i mean to attend to my scholars just as before so that i shall have very little time for visiting or seeing company i believe though you are one of the trustees and a member of the examining committee so that if you should happen to visit the school i shall try to be civil to you every lady sees of course that helen was quite right but perhaps here and there one will think that dudley venner was all wrong that he was too hasty that he should have been too full of his recent grief for such a confession as he has just made and the passion from which it sprung perhaps they do not understand the sudden recoil of a strong nature long compressed perhaps they have not studied the mystery of allotropism in the emotions of the human heart go to the nearest chemist and ask him to show you some of the dark red phosphorus which will not burn without fierce heating but at five hundred degrees fahrenheit changes back again to the inflammable substance we know so well 
grief seems more like ashes than like fire but as grief has been love once so it may become love again this is emotional allotropism helen rode back to the institute and inquired for mr peckham she had not seen him during the brief interval between her departure from the mansion-house and her return to old sophie's funeral there were various questions about the school she wished to ask oh how's your health miss darley silas began we've missed you considerable glad to see you back at the post of duty hope the squire treated you handsomely liberal pecuniary compensation hey ain't much of a loser i guess by acceptin his propositions helen blushed at this last question as if silas had meant something by it beyond asking what money she had received but his own double meaning expression and her blush were two nice points for him to have taken cognizance of he was engaged in a mental calculation as to the amount of the deduction he should make under the head of damage to the institution this depending somewhat on that of the pecuniary compensation she might have received for her services as the friend of elsie venner so helen slid back at once into her routine the same faithful patient creature she had always been but what was this new light which seemed to have kindled in her eyes what was this look of peace which nothing could disturb which smiled serenely through all the little meannesses with which the daily life of the educational factory surrounded her which not only made her seem resigned but overflowed all her features with a thoughtful subdued happiness mr bernard did not know perhaps he did not guess the inmates of the dudley mansion were not scandalized by any mysterious visits of a veiled or unveiled lady the vibrating tongues of the female youth of the institute were not set in motion by the standing of an equipage at the gate waiting for their lady teacher the servants at the mansion did not convey numerous letters with superscriptions in a bold manly hand sealed with the arms of a well-known house and directed to miss helen darley nor on the other hand did hiram the man from the lean streak in new hampshire carry sweet-smelling rose-hued many-layered criss-crossed fine-stitched lettered packages of note-paper directly to dudley venner esq and all too scanty to hold that incredible expansion of the famous three words which a woman was born to say that perpetual miracle which astonishes all the go-betweens who wear their shoes out in carrying a woman's infinite variations on the theme i love you but the reader must remember that there are walks in country towns where people are liable to meet by accident and that the hollow of an old tree has served the purpose of a post-office sometimes so that he has her choice to divide the pronouns impartially of various hypotheses to account for the new glory of happiness which seemed to have irradiated our poor helen's features as if her dreary life were awakening in the dawn of a blessed future with all the alleviations which have been hinted at mr dudley venner thought that the days and the weeks had never moved so slowly 
as through the last period of the autumn that was passing elsie had been a perpetual source of anxiety to him but still she had been a companion he could not mourn for her for he felt that she was safer with her mother in that world where there are no more sorrows and dangers than she could have been with him but as he sat at his window and looked at the three mounds the loneliness of the great house made it seem more like the sepulchre than these narrow dwellings where his beloved and her daughter lay close to each other side by side catalina the bride of his youth and elsie the child whom he had nurtured with poor old sophie who had followed them like a black shadow at their feet under the same soft turf sprinkled with the brown autumnal leaves it was not good for him to be thus alone how should he ever live through the long months of november and december the months of november and december did in some way or other get rid of themselves at last bringing with them the usual events of village life and a few unusual ones some of the geologists had been up to look at the great slide of which they gave those prolix accounts which everybody remembers who read the scientific journals of the time the engineers reported that there was little probability of any further convulsion along the line of rocks which overhung the more thickly settled part of the town the naturalists drew up a paper on the probable extinction of the crotalus durisus in the township of rockland the engagement of the widow rowans to a little millionville merchant was announced sudden and unexpected widow leech said wealthy or she wouldn't have looked at him fifty year old if he is a day and hunt got a white hair in his head the rev chauncey fairweather had publicly announced that he was going to join the roman catholic communion not so much to the surprise or consternation of the religious world as he had supposed several old ladies forthwith proclaimed their intention of following him but as one or two of them were deaf and another had been threatened with an attack of that mild but obstinate complaint dementia senilis many thought it was not so much the force of his arguments as a kind of tendency to jump as the bellwether jumps well known in flocks not included in the christian fold his bereaved congregation immediately began pulling candidates on and off like new boots on trial some pinched in tender places some were too loose some were too square-toed some were too coarse and didn't please some were too thin and wouldn't last in short they couldn't possibly find a fit at last people began to drop in to hear old dr honeywood they were quite surprised to find what a human old gentleman he was and went back and told the others that instead of being a case of confluent sectarianism as they supposed the good old minister had been so well vaccinated with charitable virus that he was now a true open-souled christian of the mildest type the end of all which was that the liberal people went over to the old minister almost in a body just at the time that deacon shearer and the vinegar bible party split off 
and that not long afterwards they sold their own meeting-house to the malcontents so that deacon soper used often to remind colonel sprowl of his wish that our little man and him the reverend doctor would swap pulpits and tell him it had pretty nigh come true but this is anticipating the course of events which were much longer in coming about for we have but just got through that terrible long month as mr dudley venner found it of december on the first of january mr silas peckham was in the habit of settling his quarterly accounts and making such new arrangements as his convenience or interest dictated new year was a holiday at the institute no doubt this accounted for helen's being dressed so charmingly always to be sure in her own simple way but yet with such a true lady's air that she looked fit to be the mistress of any mansion in the land she was in the parlour alone a little before noon when mr peckham came in i'm ready to settle my account with you now miss darley said silas as you please mr peckham helen answered very graciously before payin' you your salary the principal continued i wish to come to an understandin as to the future i consider that i've been payin' high very high for the work you do women's wages can't be expected to do more than feed and clothe em as a general thing with a little savin in case of sickness and to bury em if they break down as all of em are liable to do at any time if i ain't misinformed you not only support yourself out of my establishment but likewise relatives of yours who i don't know that i'm called upon to feed and clothe there is a young woman not burdened with destitute relatives has signified that she would be glad to take your duties for less pecuniary compensation by a considerable amount than you now receive i shall be willin however to retain your services at such reduced rate as we shall fix upon provided such reduced rate be as low or lower then the same services can be obtained elsewhere as you please mr peckham helen answered with a smile so sweet that the principal who of course had trumped up this opposition teacher for the occasion said to himself she would stand being cut down a quarter perhaps a half of her salary here is your account miss darley and the balance due you said silas peckham handing her a paper and a small roll of infectious flavoured bills wrapping six poisonous coppers of the old coinage she took the paper and began looking at it she could not quite make up her mind to touch the feverish bills with the cankering coppers in them and left them airing themselves on the table the document she held ran as follows silas peckham esq principal of the apollinean institute in account with helen darley assistant teacher to salary for quarter ending january first seventy five dollars by deduction for absence one week three days ten dollars board lodging etc for ten days at seventy-five cents per day seven dollars fifty cents damage to institution by teacher from absence of duties say twenty-five dollars stationery furnished forty-three cents 
postage stamp one cent balance due helen darley thirty two dollars and six cents rockland january first eighteen fifty nine now helen had her own private reasons for wishing to receive the small sum which was due her at this time without any unfair deduction reasons which we need not inquire into too particularly as we may be very sure that they were right and womanly so when she looked over this account of mr silas peckham's and saw that he had contrived to pare down her salary to something less than half its stipulated amount the look which her countenance wore was as near to that of righteous indignation as her gentle features and soft blue eyes would admit of its being why mr peckham she said do you mean this if i am of so much value to you that you must take off twenty-five dollars for ten days absence how is it that my salary is to be cut down to less than seventy-five dollars a quarter if i remain here i gave you fair notice said silas i have a minute of it i took down immediately after the interview he lugged out his large pocket-book with the strap going all round it and took from it a slip of paper which confirmed his statement besides he added slyly i presume you have received a liberal pecuniary compensation from squire venner for nursin his daughter helen was looking over the bill while he was speaking board and lodging for ten days mr peckham whose board and lodging pray the door opened before silas peckham could answer and mr bernard walked into the parlor helen was holding the bill in her hand looking as any woman ought to look who has been at once wronged and insulted the last turn of the thumbscrew said mr bernard to himself what is it helen you look troubled she handed him the account he looked at the footing of it then he looked at the items then he looked at silas peckham at this moment silas was sublime he was so transcendently unconscious of the emotions going on in mr bernard's mind at the moment that he had only a single thought the accounts correctly cast i presume if there's any mistake of figures or addin em up it'll be made all right everything's according to agreement the minute written immediately after the interview is here in my possession mr bernard looked at helen just what would have happened to silas peckham as he stood then and there but for the interposition of a merciful providence nobody knows or ever will for at that moment steps were heard upon the stairs and hiram threw open the parlor door for mr dudley venner to enter he saluted them all gracefully with the good wishes of the season and each of them returned his compliment helen blushing fearfully of course but not particularly noticed in her embarrassment by more than one silas peckham reckoned with perfect confidence on his trustees who had always said what he told them to and done what he wanted it was a good chance now to show off his power and by letting his instructors know the unstable tenure of their offices make it easier to settle his accounts and arrange his salaries there was nothing very strange in mr venner's calling he was one of the trustees and this was new year's day but he had called just at the lucky moment 
for mr peckham's object i have thought some of making changes in the department of instruction he began several accomplished teachers have applied to me who would be glad of situations i understand that there never have been so many first-rate teachers male and female out of employment as during the present season if i can make satisfactory arrangements with my present corps of teachers i shall be glad to do so otherwise i shall with the permission of the trustees make such new arrangements as circumstances compel you may make arrangements for a new assistant in my department mr peckham said mr bernard at once this day this hour i am not safe to be trusted with your person five minutes out of this lady's presence of whom i beg pardon for this strong language mr venner i must beg you as one of the trustees of this institution to look at the manner in which its principal has attempted to swindle this faithful teacher whose toils and sacrifices and self-devotion to the school have made it all that it is in spite of this miserable traitor's incompetence will you look at the paper i hold dudley venner took the account and read it through without changing a feature then he turned to silas peckham you may make arrangements for a new assistant in the branches this lady has taught miss helen darley is to be my wife i had hoped to have announced this news in a less abrupt and ungraceful manner but i came to tell you with my own lips what you would have learned before evening from my friends in the village mr bernard went to helen who stood silent with downcast eyes and took her hand warmly hoping she may find all the happiness she deserved then he turned to dudley venner and said she is a queen but has never found it out the world has nothing nobler than this dear woman whom you have discovered in the disguise of a teacher god bless her and you dudley venner returned his friendly grasp without answering a word in articulate speech silas remained dumb and aghast for a brief space coming to himself a little he thought there might have been some mistake about the items would like to have miss darley's bill returned would make it all right had no idea that squire venner had a special interest in miss darley was sorry he had given offence if he might take that bill and look it over no mr peckham said mr dudley venner there will be a full meeting of the board next week and the bill and such evidence with reference to the management of the institution and the treatment of its instructors as mr langdon sees fit to bring forward will be laid before them miss helen darley became that very day the guest of miss arabella thornton the judge's daughter mr bernard made his appearance a week or two later at the lectures where the professor first introduced him to the reader he stayed after the class had left the room ah mr langdon how do you do very glad to see you back again how have you been since our correspondence on fascination and other curious scientific questions it was the professor who spoke whom the reader will recognize as myself the teller of this story i have been well mr bernard answered with a serious look which invited a further question i hope you have had none of those painful or dangerous experiences you seem to be thinking of when you wrote 
at any rate you have escaped having your obituary written i have seen some things worth remembering shall i call on you this evening and tell you about them i shall be most happy to see you this was the way in which i the professor became acquainted with some of the leading events of this story they interested me sufficiently to lead me to avail myself of all those other extraordinary methods of obtaining information well known to writers of narrative mr langdon seemed to me to have gained in seriousness and strength of character by his late experiences he threw his whole energies into his studies with an effect which distanced all his previous efforts remembering my former hint he employed his spare hours in writing for the annual prizes both of which he took by a unanimous vote of the judges those who heard him read his thesis at the medical commencement will not soon forget the impression made by his fine personal appearance and manners nor the universal interest excited in the audience as he read with his beautiful enunciation that striking paper entitled unresolved nebulae in vital science it was a general remark of the faculty and old dr kittredge who had come down on purpose to hear mr langdon heartily agreed to it that there had never been a diploma filled up since the institution which conferred upon him the degree of doctor medicine was founded which carried with it more of promise to the profession than that which bore the name of bernardus carroll langdon End of chapter 31